Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Gordon Dean, and this is the Source Seed Pod podcast. Thanks for listening in today, guys. This is the Source Seed Pod podcast, and I'm your host, Gordon Dean. wanted to talk today about something that's not in the Bible. Oddly enough, I mean, it's there, but it's not. Um, a lot of times we hear people saying things like, love the sinner, hate the sin. Now, the reality is that that phrase or, you know, the English Standard Version or the King James Version or the New International, these are not going, any of them are not going to have love the sinner but hate the sin. But if you want to break it down on a number of levels, you're going to find that that really is uh, literally all of it. Our objective is, frankly, if you were to boil everything down into how we treat others, that phrase, I think, actually is about as good a summation as you can possibly get. Uh, In a, a previous blog post, I, in fact, gosh, I believe it was actually my very first one, Jesus said that the, the law and the prophets rest wholly on the two greatest commandments. The first is to love your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor. Now, there is, of course, also, uh, you're, I'm sure, familiar with the uh, the account of the Good Samaritan. In fact, it's such a it's such a monumental story that the phrase Good Samaritan has worked its way into our language all the way up until today. In fact, that having been said, most states have what are called Good Samaritan laws, basically the idea being that if you are trying to help somebody typically in a life or death situation that you are absolved of any incidental wrongdoing because of the overarching assumption that you're going to love your neighbor by trying to save their life or their property or or whatever the case may be. And you know, what a lot of people don't understand is, you know, when Jesus tells the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, first of all, remember that in Jesus' time, a Samaritan was, for lack of a better description, a half-breed that was looked down upon not just by, by the religious leadership of the Jews, but by the Jews as a culture. 
In fact, to, to give you an idea, first of all, they, they looked down on them so badly that the use of the word Samaritan, while not banned, was considered effectively a curse word or an insult. And if you, if you don't believe me, take a close look at the account. And every single translation of the Bible that I am aware of presents it in such a way. Jesus tells the story and uses the word Samaritan several times because he knows in so doing, he's going to be causing his audience, particularly the religious leaders of that time, to cringe every time the word comes out of his mouth. In fact, some of them possibly may have even been spitting on the ground every time he said it. I don't know, I wasn't there, but I can very easily see that happen. But go back, it doesn't matter what version of the Bible you pick up as far as I'm aware. You pick it up, you read it. Jesus is talking about you know, the, the, the priest or the rabbi that, that leaves the guy sitting there and the, the, um, uh, the other dude that walks by uh, leaves him sitting there. And then the Samaritan, and he uses the word Samaritan repeatedly. And then he turns to the ones that are questioning him and says, so which one of these was a neighbor to the man who had fallen among thieves? And the answer is not as, you know, if I asked you the question after telling you the story, you would say, most likely, the Samaritan. But not so the Jews of that time. It was effectively a bad word. Because you'll see that his, his audience's response to which one of these demonstrated that he was acting as a neighbor. They didn't say the Samaritan. They said the one who showed compassion. And I'm sure that, that even that was a major nerve-grating moment just to admit that that's the case. So what's the point of that tirade? Well, the point is that throughout the Bible, we are told to love others to put others' needs before our own, to provide for those in need, and to love on our neighbors. Not our Jewish neighbors, not our Christian neighbors, but also our Muslim neighbors, our atheist neighbors, our Hindu neighbors, our Buddhist neighbors. We are told to love our neighbor. And let's be honest, folks. I mean, just to kind of break it down a little bit, how else would you be able to show someone who doesn't know God how much he loves them and wants them to come back to the fold than by showing his love to them. So obviously the love the sinner portion is, is clearly 
clearly outlined in Scripture. Now, I don't know whether I... I don't know whether or not this actually was said by Phil Robertson. I mean, I've, I've heard uh, a number of variations, or I should say seen a number of variations online, but the direct quote that is attributed to Phil Robertson goes like this. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. That, I think, frankly, is about the best worldly explanation of what it means to love the sinner and hate the sin. Now, again, obviously, we we are called to love, whether it's sinners or other Christians. But we are also called throughout the Bible to turn away from sin, not to let it get a foothold in our lives, not to let it become a part of who we are, to avoid it, to run from it. The oversimplified version is to hate it. And oftentimes this love the sinner, hate the sin is usually used in some sort of discussion about homosexuality, for example. A major a major example of where the sin that is being hated is a major part of the identity of the sinner that we are called to love. But I want you to think about something very, very uh, think of something on a much more micro level. Because First of all, in the eyes of God, there is no bigger sin or smaller sin with one exception. That would be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's not what I want to get into today. I want to just talk about sin in general. So living a homosexual lifestyle is in God's eyes the exact same level of sin as cheating on your taxes or downloading pornography or any other thing that we do throughout the course of our lives that is not in accordance with God's will. There is no, you know, <laughs> Jesus... Jesus tells a story about a, a, a tax collector and a, and a priest that, that, or a rabbi or whatever that go into the, the synagogue together and 
the, the rabbi starts to pray out loud and effectively what it boils down to is, oh dear God, I am a wretched, wretched sinner, but at least I'm not as bad as this tax collector. The tax collector, on the other hand, hangs his head in shame, knowing that he is a sinner, and says, Father, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. It's very simple, it's very succinct, and it covers the multitude. My point is that it's not that one sin is greater than another one or, or more of an abomination to God these things are all sins. And in case you're wondering where I stand on this, first of all, yes, again, I admit, I am a hypocrite. I want to point your sins out more than my own because if I look into my own sins, then I have to acknowledge that I am also wrong. And that stings a lot. And then those times when, I, want to, when I, I can finally admit that I'm wrong, my immediate reaction is just like that rabbi in Jesus' story. I want to say, well, yeah, but at least I'm not doing this. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not cheating on my tech. It doesn't matter. It's still sin. So if you're wondering what my position is, I promise that I will not judge you just because you sin differently than I do. But that having been said, I hate the sin that's in my own life just like I hate the sin that's in your life. But if you want, we can work through it together. This is one of those roads that we are all on. And every single one of us, every single Christian on this road toward redemption is, is, is pockmarked with potholes of sin. And we keep stumbling, we keep tripping over them. But as Christians also, we are called to come alongside those who are stumbling and tripping and pick them back up, help them dust themselves off, and help to guide them further down the path. So yes, I can have a discussion with you about loving the sinner but hating the sin. But don't you dare turn it back around on me. Because we're going to talk about your sin, not mine. Because your sin's worse than mine. Right? No. Your sin is not worse than mine. So understand something, folks. It is possible to love somebody and to not support the dangerous self-destructive behavior that they support 
or that they're engaged in, they're living in. It is possible to not like what somebody else likes and still be friends. I mean, I know, strangely enough, I've actually met people who have no desire to watch The Walking Dead. And I pray for them. But in the meantime, they're also my friends. Just like those weirdos who think that I'm strange because I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones. Now look, I understand, folks, this is, these are oversimplifications. And again, this is the kind of thing I, I try to do with these podcasts because my objective is to take these biblical and spiritual principles and help you apply them to your daily life. And so sometimes I try to use analogies. I try to kind of boil down the gist of it. Some might think that maybe I'm being a little oversimplistic. And if that's you, look, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be flip. I'm not trying to be glib. I'm trying to help to frame some of these ideas because, again, the concept that I can love you and hate your sin at the same time is one that is very difficult for people to wrap their heads around, especially because in this society, our sin is a major part of what defines who we are, at least in our, our, uh, our, our public persona. And again, the reason I think why is because that particular phrase is used most often in reference to homosexuals. But here's the thing. I don't have to hate you because your choice of bed partners is different from mine. Hell, I know some straight guys. Their choice of bed partners would be drastically different than mine. So in that light, how is that any different? And yes, I know, I'm going to sound like an idiot when I say this, but the fact that I actually have gay friends. I love them dearly. Just, and <laughs> by that I mean, in case you're wondering... One in particular, very dear friend of mine, who actually knows me better than many other people in my life currently. He has seen some of the insane, ridiculous garbage that I went through in my past while I was walking away from Jesus. He knows that I am a wretched, broken sinner. And he still loves me. And I still love him. I accept him. 
And just like he does things that I don't approve of, either because it's, it's based in a biblical statement of, of, of this, is, this falls in the category of sin, or because there are things about his life that I just simply don't approve of because it doesn't fit my lifestyle, it doesn't matter. I still love him. And by the way, in case you're listening, Toby, I love you, brother. I love you. My life is more complete for having had Toby in my past and my present. And I don't have to approve of his lifestyle. That's not for me to approve of. My job is to love my neighbor regardless of what they're doing. Now, granted, if your neighbor is cooking and selling meth, perhaps one of the best ways that you can love on them is to call the cops and have them busted up, have it taken away, and have them have an opportunity to get out of that. But that's another perfect example of how you can love your neighbor and not love their sin. But remember one very important thing, guys, and I'm going to wrap this up. Remember one very important thing. In the process of working toward being able to actually love on somebody else regardless of their sin, for me, the easiest way to frame that the easiest way for me to get my head around that concept of actually separating the person from the sin and loving the person while hating the sin at the same time is to remember that, oh yeah, I'm a sinner too. And so it's not for me to judge these people just because they sin differently than I do. So keep that in mind, folks. With that, I'm going to close. This is the Sower Seed Pod podcast, and I'm your host, Gordon Dean.